Hong Kong, that's a place for you. Here we go again with the Hong Kong Football Podcast. Ahead of a big week for Hong Kong football as the city becomes the capital, the mecca, the epicenter of East Asian football. As we speak, three other teams are making their way to the city to take on Hong Kong in the East Asia Trophy Round 2 qualifying. They are Guam, Taiwan and North Korea. We're going to be talking about all four teams involved, previewing the tournament as well as talking about the latest goings-on in the Hong Kong Premier League in this special edition of the Hong Kong Football Podcast. My name, as always, is James Legg, and I'm joined, not physically, but on the line from Australia by Tobias Duser. Toby, how's it going? Yeah, I'm great. I'm enjoying the summer right now here in Sydney, Australia, and I will stay here for a couple of weeks. And probably also have the chance to see some A-League games later on. Oh, awesome. You got any games planned? Yeah, a couple of games. Um, but the first one will be Sydney FC against Melbourne Victory this Saturday at the Allianz Stadium in in the city centre. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. That sounds awesome. But we have, as you probably know, some football over here in Hong Kong as well. And... Last night, in fact, South China, after their recent wobble and they got rid of their coach with their new coach and winning 2-0 against RNF. But it's a good result for their new manager. And what's his name again? Remind me. Dejan Antonic. And who's this guy? Well, he's quite famous in Hong Kong. He started his career here in 1998 when he played for Instant Dictionary. He's originally from Belgrade in Yugoslavia. Um, he, he was born there, but then came to Hong Kong as a footballer in 1998. He then later played for Rangers as well for two years, and then Sunhei, and eventually Kichi until 2005. And he coached Kichi as well, right? Yeah, right after that. Like when he finished his career at Kichi, he took them over as a coach, and then also coached for a, a short while the Hong Kong national team until 2009. And in the last few years he was then uh, a coach in uh, Indonesia mostly um, the most recent assignment was at Persib Bandung so do we think this is going to be a good move for South China well it, it's it's hard to say uh, to to be honest um, Dejan Antonich was not that successful in Indonesia the last couple of years um, but he might be able to you know, bring some fresh air to the team and um, maybe a, f- a fresh style of playing it felt like that in, in the last few games that um, the team was you know not very um, yeah, didn't really have a spirit to win anymore as you could see against the Rangers um, it was that the last few goals they, they just didn't really seem to care much anymore about about the additional goal so yeah I think that South China maybe had to react although um, they just sacked Ricardo Rambo after one one loss but yeah, it's yet to see. So we, I think we, we wish him all the best with South China. And he got his first victory in his first game here. So that that's not bad. And yeah, it's yet to see if he can bring them back to be a title contender this year. Okay, so we're going to talk more about uh, local results later. Um, but first to the matter in hand, which is the East Asia Cup Round 2 qualifying in Hong Kong over the next uh, 10 days 
So basically, for anyone who's not been following what's going on, Hong Kong are going to be taking on Guam, Taiwan, and North Korea for a final qualifying place in the East Asia Trophy, which takes place next December in Japan. And that final tournament will be against Japan, South Korea, and China. There's already been one round of qualifying in which Chinese Taipei, aka Taiwan, got their spot in this round. And they beat, I think, the Northern Mariana Islands, Macau and Mongolia. It's a round-robin tournament. Each team is going to play each team over three match days, spaced out over a week. It's all at the Mongkok Stadium. And Hong Kong, I think this should be a really good test for them, Toby. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a very important test for Hong Kong as well, because... Currently, they don't have any competitive games um, because they are already out of the World Cup qualifiers and the Asian Cup qualifiers won't start until next year. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a good chance to to try out um, new things in a competitive environment. Now, of course, we have to be a bit humble, but I, I think the expectations in Hong Kong are quite high right now. And I even believe now with the home advantage hosting this tournament, most people will definitely hope that Hong Kong might be able to win it and I think maybe they could really pull it off if everything works well for them. What do you think? Um, I agree. I think, you know, in terms of football and pedigree and recent performances, I think North Korea is certainly the team that um, be the biggest threat to Hong Kong. You know, I mean, this is a team that's played at the World Cup, um, which, you know, Hong Kong never has um, and none of the other teams involved have. Um, but you know it is still North Korea it is still um, you know hardly a, a giant of Asian football I think you're right expectations are high I think maybe expectations in Hong Kong are sometimes a little bit too high um, and they forget the stage at which Hong Kong football currently is at you know and I, I don't think there are any teams that Hong Kong can kind of dismiss out of hand but yeah I mean I, I, I think definitely Winning the tournament and winning the spot in next year's main tournament is the aim here for for the home team, um, especially what with having home field advantage and uh, what with all of the games being at the Mongkok Stadium, which is normally um, a good place for the Hong Kong national team to play. Um, what do we know about the Hong Kong squad? The squad is actually a bit smaller than usual. There are just 20 players selected instead of 23. And indeed, there are a few key players missing if you look through it. So in the goal we have uh, Yapong Fai and Sangman Fai, just two goalkeepers in total. And then in the defense uh, there's Jack Seeley from Changchun Yatai, uh, Roberto Fonso and Chen King Ho from Eastern. Uh, Festus Bayes is there, uh, Fung Baklon, uh, a left back from Hong Kong Pegasus. Uh, Helio is there from Kichi and Andrew Russell. But obviously Kilama is still not in the team. But I believe that the biggest surprise is then actually in the midfield. Um, where we have Huang Yang, Lam Kawai and Lo Kuan Yi, but there is no Ita Parika, which was quite a surprise to me. Um, he is still noted as a potential reserve player in case if any of the other players get injured, but he won't be in the, in the squad at the moment. And up front we have uh, James McKee, Xu uh, Deshwai, Gottfried Karikari, Alex Akande and uh, Chen Xiong Ki. And also Lee Hong Lim, who just uh, scored another two goals last weekend. So all in all, I think it's a it's a quite interesting squad. It's not not such a bad selection. 
although uh, you know some key players are missing, especially thinking of uh, Itaberica, but also Wong Wai and Tension Log from Taipo, Likayu, uh, Baihe. So uh, a few players are, are not in there. Uh, also, Wang Chenpeng, the kitchen goalkeeper, was not selected this time. Yeah, what's that about? I'm I'm really surprised that um, that Wang has not been selected, and and then Chang from South China has because. I don't. I don't think there's any real competition there. I think Wang is a much more reliable goalkeeper. Chang Manfei is the kind of goalie he'll amaze you with with one kind of brilliant save from like a long range shot or some brilliant um, kind of shot stopping. But then we'll do something utterly mystifying, um, make some crazy decision, or just not save something that he really ought to be saving. I mean, is there some other reason for this? Do you think Wang Zhengpeng had just, just had other plans? Or? Yeah, to be honest, I just believe that he was tired of just sitting on the bench and watching Ya Pongfei, who, who doesn't want to give any minute to another goalkeeper. So maybe he just wants to, to take a break. I think that might actually be the reason for some of the players like uh, uh, Ita Parika, um Basically, because the, he, for example, just finished a, a season, and he might, you know, want to have an actual holiday right now. So yeah, I don't think that there are like major major reasons behind that, to be honest. So Hong Kong will start in the men's tournament on Sunday, Sunday the sixth of November against Guam. Um, as we mentioned, that's at the Mongkok Stadium, and that's at six p.m. Actually, the opening game just before that at three p.m. is North Korea versus Taiwan. Um, Guam, not a country or a football team that I know much about. Do you know much about them, Toby? No, but I know where it is approximately, but not what football <laughs> they play. No. Okay, well, luckily to fill us in, I spoke to the Guam captain, Jason Cunliffe, um, about the tournament and about his football team. Um, let's let's listen to that. How was the flight in? flight in wasn't bad. We went to Taiwan, had about an hour layover, and then quick hop over here. Okay, and how are you finding Hong Kong so far? So far, so good. Um, I believe this is my third time here, maybe fourth now. So I like Hong Kong. It's always good to be back. Look, Jason, first of all, I got to say, um, me and Toby were discussing the fact that I'm pretty ignorant of Guam. Um, so I thought I'd ask you, like, what describe to me Guam. Ah, Guam is a very, very small tropical island with, uh, you know, it's an interesting mix of uh, culture and, uh, you know, the whole situation, uh, somewhat similar to Hong Kong and China, I would say, with uh, our relationship with the United States government. But it's great. It's a small place where, where there's still a sense of community where uh, people still try to look out for each other and help out. And uh, I always tell my friends from from the states the great thing about guam is uh everybody knows each other and the shitty thing about guam is everybody knows each other <laughs> that sounds fair enough and but how what about the football team what can what can hong kong football fans expect to see from the, from the guam national team uh you know i think um uh when the gaffer came in you know he set a goal for us to to leapfrog uh hong kong and be the uh the fifth best team in Asia behind obviously the top three South Korea Japan China and then North Korea um, and you know we've, we've had some some close matches with Hong Kong as of late and, and and this is the one where we're looking to get over the hump so to speak we're a hungry team you know we always play with a chip on our shoulder 
uh, with everything that you know we've had to deal with historically. And yeah, I think you're gonna see a team that is hungry to get a victory. Uh, we're not gonna sit back and, and defend. We're gonna come out and, and press the game and see if we can and score a goal and, and you know give it our best our best shot and see what the Hong Kong team has to offer. And so I guess this is a re- this is a big a big tournament for you then in terms of the level, in terms of taking on the teams that you want to, as you say, leapfrog. I mean, and I suppose that applies in all of the games, um, but it, it sounds as though you've particularly got your eye on Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first match is obviously the, the most important for us. It's our, it's, our, it's our next game and your next game is always your most important match. Um, and being it that Hong Kong is hosting the energy, I hope the energy at the stadium is good. I hope the fans come out and support their team. And, uh, you know, we always enjoy... Uh, the, a lively atmosphere, and uh, yeah, we're we're up for it. We're up for the challenge. You know, we're always we're always the underdog, but I think that we're closing the gap the gap slowly but surely. And yeah, we like to test ourselves. And Hong Kong, you know, they're they're the better team historically, and you know they've got some good results as of late, and the rankings are going up. And you know, we're always the underdog, and and we we don't mind playing that role. So yeah, we look forward to getting a good result against Hong Kong, and then and then uh, looking forward to North Korea uh, three days later. And did you uh, the the third team who we haven't mentioned yet is um, is Chinese Taipei or, or Taiwan? Did you get a chance to see them when they played in Guam? Uh, yeah, I did watch uh, a couple of their matches. Um, they did kind of bring out more of a domestic team, um, and then we did play a friendly against them before our last uh, World Cup qualifier against Oman. Um, Taiwan is a, is a good team. I you know I like playing against them as well. It's always a, a lively match. We have a nice little rivalry going with them. So yeah, I mean, every I think I think you're you're starting to see uh, in East Asia, you're starting to see the uh, I guess I'll call us the minnows, my our, ourselves in Taiwan, starting to close the gap between the bigger teams and with, with more resources. And um, you know, so I always when when we're not playing against Taiwan, when we're not playing against Hong Kong, I'm always rooting for those guys, you know. But uh, I always like to see East Asia do well. But obviously, in this tournament, it's uh, it's up to us to get results. So we're looking forward to all the games. Will the will the people in back home in Guam get to see it? I, I think they'll be streaming the games. They usually have been streaming them uh, in the last last uh, editions of it. So I believe they'll be streaming and the streams have always been quality. So yeah, people will, people will be watching. Uh, everyone's already bugging me to give them a link for the stream and uh, all our other uh, teammates are having uh, people on Guam and people a lot of people in the States who want to watch. And we actually have a, a good amount of fans abroad in Europe who, you know, take a liking to the minnows and, you know, try to support the underdogs. And so we've, with our uh, success in our World Cup qualifying campaign, we gained some more fans, so people are are interested, and it's always good to uh, have some support behind you. So yeah, we've got we've got some people who are who are uh, itching to watch the matches for sure. That's cool. You, and and you yourself, you're you play in Guam, right, in the domestic league? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I play in the domestic league. Uh, I'm the old man on the team, um, so I'm at home with three kids and just holding it down and trying to. Uh, Trying to raise the level of the local league and try and help some of the younger players uh, understand what it takes to to get to the next level and try and grow the game for them. Mm. And what what is the what is the situation with domestic football in Guam? Uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough right now. We um, obviously with our limited population, um, we're not going to get an abundance of uh, teams. Like in the first division now, we have five five teams, whereas the second division has I think twelve to fourteen teams. Um, so there's been talks of, of just having one whole division and combining it. That's that's the next step for us for our for Guam is how we're going to grow our national team. And obviously, getting players in professional environments, but also we are looking into potentially creating a professional team based out of Guam 
maybe playing in a league in a in another uh, country locally and somewhere within our proximity. I I suppose you'd be in a strange situation because being American, then you'd be looking to the MLS. But I guess Guam for in football teams is is Asian, so you've got many yeah, directions to go in there. Yeah, it's a very I mean obviously proximity. We're a lot closer to Asia than we are to. Uh, the U.S. It's uh, our political situation makes for an interesting footballing dynamic. That's for sure. Yeah, you know we've actually been uh, we went out for uh, World Cup qualifying camp at the J Village in Sakai and a Green Village in Green, and uh, we had a verbal agreement from J League to should we get a pro team that we would be able to play in J three. So that was something that we're looking at. There's a potential of doing something maybe with the Philippines uh, new league coming out. So there's there's options, you know. I mean, like somewhat similar to I guess uh, uh, I forget which uh, Chinese Super League team is having their second division team play in the Hong Kong Premier League. Right? Uh, Guangzhou RNF. Yeah, so something similar to that, and I know they're going to have to have some kind of different rules, right, specific for them because yeah. of the Chinese based players. So you know, it's it's not it's not impossible. It's um, you know, it's definitely something that we're going to have to figure out but that we're, we're, that's I think the next step for us if we're going to grow the game is we're going to have to create a professional team uh, specifically for our little country to play somewhere hopefully close by via Philippines via Japan and uh, maybe Singapore who knows something to that effect oh well it's, it sounds like um, there's definitely more to come from Guam football anyway yeah absolutely um, you know with our recent success in the World Cup qualifiers and a lot of the media attention uh, the last thing that we can do is start to go backwards so we have to make sure that we continue to ride the wave of momentum that we're on uh, make sure that we build on our recent success and just uh, continuing to stay hungry and strive uh, to grow the football both on the pitch and off the pitch cool well, right, you, you go get settled into the hotel and, and have a good preparation for the tournament and then um, I appreciate I'll, it man. good to talk to you yeah good to talk to you speak to you soon okay great to hear from Jason Cunliffe um, as I mentioned he will he and the rest of his team will start their tournament against Hong Kong, 6pm, Mongkok Stadium. The 3 o'clock game that day, um, I remember they're all double headers. Um, one game just follows after the other. Um, if you buy tickets, you can you can watch both games. The first of those games will be North Korea versus Taiwan. North Korea, arguably the favourites for the tournament. They've certainly got the most football and pedigree, lest we forget that they've been to two World Cups, uh, most recently um, in 2010. Um, the only survivor... Uh, from that team who played against the likes of Brazil, Portugal, Ivory Coast, um, is the goalkeeper, Rim Yong-guk, who actually conceded seven goals against Portugal. Uh, luckily for him, Cristiano Ronaldo won't be on the pitch this time. Interesting fact about Rim Yong-guk is that both his father and uncle were goalkeepers for the North Korean national team too. So he's got goalkeeping running through his veins, um, as well as, I'm sure, lots of patriotic fervor. But what of North Korea's opponents, Taiwan, or as they're known in this silly context, Chinese Taipei. I don't actually know much about the football scene in Taiwan. So Taiwan, they actually won the first round of the EAFF Cup, um, beating, I think, the likes of Macau and Mongolia. Um, so yeah, I think it's usually a team that we shouldn't underestimate. Um, Hong Kong in previous years didn't have it too easy against them so yeah but aside from that I actually know very little about Taiwan but I do hear 
that you've spoken to someone who can help us out who does know a lot more than you and I know. Yes, absolutely. I've been talking to an expert on Taiwanese football and we can listen to this now. I'm now joined on the line by Lionel Piguet, a football expert on Taiwan. And Lionel is also a regular contributor to chasesoccer.com. Hi, Lionel. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you? Yes, I can hear you. Where, where are you right now at the moment? Right now I'm in Japan. Okay. So you're not in Taiwan. Uh, no, I, I travel back and forth. I mean, like I'm, I'm always in between those two countries. So right now in Japan and soon at the, uh, before the end of the year, I'll be in Taiwan. But over these years, you followed Taiwanese football? Yes, of course, because, uh, well, I lived there for quite a long time. And then also because my wife is half Taiwanese. So yes, I've, I've been following them for quite a while now. Okay, so to be very honest with you, here in Hong Kong, we know very little about uh, football in Taiwan. So could you just give us a, a overview about what's the state of football there at the moment? We, we do have the numbers. I mean, we have pretty decent players who are uh, playing, for example, in the uh, in, uh, Chinese Super League. And uh, we, we have good players. We have, we have uh, enough players, but we don't have the structure because um, it's not very well organized right here in Taiwan. So it's getting better, but it's taking time. So right now that they're working on it, but it's, it's going to take some time before we can get some, we can get like a really good team. Okay, but does Taiwan have a professional league? No, not yet. They've, they've been talking about it. And actually, the, the, the ex-coach and, uh, and most of the players actually ask for it because we, we do need a professional league to have like a proper national team because that's how we will get more players into the team. The problem is that uh, it's, been it's taking time and it's like never ending. Like they, they said that it was going to start from next year, but... Uh, Mm, would it really start next year? I'm not sure. I'm far from sure. So hopefully, yes, but mm, it's not quite here yet. Okay. But how about the, the national team? So they have been competing in the first round of the EAFF Cup qualifiers and have done quite well, I think. Like they won all their games. So um, what do you think? How are they right now? They could do so much better with like a proper coach and with like a proper uh, football federation because... Like, just like I said before, they have like nine players playing in abroad. They have like one player in Belgium who is like half French, half uh, Taiwanese, and they have like a few uh, few players in China. So, so they, they really do have like good players. But we need like a federation who will like who is like working with the coach and and not against it. And right now it's like a little bit of like a mess because the the Japanese coach. Uh, Mr. Imai, who was coaching the team until now, just got fired like two weeks ago. And he was replaced by Mr. Uh, Kuroda, who is a uh, Vissel Scobes youth ex-coach. He was also Okazaki's, who plays in, uh, in England. He was Okazaki's coach. So he's a good coach. Uh, we interviewed him in the past for J-Soccer. Uh, hopefully he will do a good job, but... Yeah, the, the, the Federation really has to, to work with the coach and support him instead of like making a mess. What about the interest in football? Like how many people will attend a game in Taiwan? Okay, so during the uh, qualifier for the World Cup, 
like the, the, the first round, there was about 20, 22, 23,000 people who went to the stadium. So it's pretty good. It's really, really good. Like actually, even though Taiwan is a, is a small country, we still have like 26 million people living there. So there, there will be people going to the stadium but they don't promote it very well. So sometimes you will get big numbers and sometimes you will have like only four or 5,000. So it depends on the games. It depends on the opponent and it depends how well they promote the game. Okay, that's actually a quite impressive turnout. I'm very surprised because uh, if, if there are like 20,000 people showing up for national team games, it's actually higher than Hong Kong, right? So that, that's really impressive. What, what do you expect from Taiwan in the EAFF Cup qualifiers? Do they have any chance against uh, Guam, North Korea and Hong Kong? Uh, again, it's, uh, it's really hard to say because uh, we could do well. I mean, Guam will not be a problem. We beat them in the past. Uh, I think uh, North Korea are really hard to play because they, are, they have very strong players. They are like physically very strong. And Taiwanese are not so strong phys physically, so they will, be, they will have a hard time against North Korea. And then, like Hong Kong, your team is, is really well organized. You have like a proper league and you have a good team. And I think Hong Kong will be the, the, the hardest team to beat. Okay, if you would need to predict the game against Hong Kong, what would you say? Uh, it, it could be like from a draw, from a bit, maybe like 1-1 one, one draw to maybe like a, like maybe 2-1 two, two, lost, something like that. All right. Um, my very last question is, um, are there any particular players we should watch out for? Who are the most famous players in the squad? Okay, so the most famous player, and he's like, a, he's really good. It's uh, Chen Poliang, who plays for Hangzhou Greentown. Uh, he's a regular player there, there in China, in the Chinese Super League, and he's, he's, he's unbelievable. He, if... If he were like a Chinese, he would be playing for, for China, that's for sure. He would be like a regular player for the Chinese national team, but he's Taiwanese. And otherwise, the striker, uh, Chen Hawei, who plays for Beijing, uh, he's a very good striker too, and I think he can do well. So those two players are like the the, the, the ones you should, yeah, you, you should be careful about. Which number they are carrying? For so Chen Paoliang, he usually wears number 17 for Chinese Taipei, for Taiwan. But uh, for his club, he's wearing number 11. And uh, Chen Huawei usually wears number 9. Okay, so number 17 and number 9, we should definitely yeah. keep on the radar. And we also have one more who is like a, a Xavier Chen, who is half French. And he is really good because he's regular in his club in uh, in Belgium. But I'm not too sure he will if he will be able to make it, because recently he hasn't come back to play for the national team. He cannot come back all the time because his club will not let let him uh, come. So yeah, he only comes like once in a while. Okay, well, Lionel, thank you so much for um, your time and sharing with us your knowledge and insight into Taiwanese football. And yeah, whenever we have another question, we will definitely call you up again, if that's okay. Yes, of course, of course. No, yeah, yeah. All right, then. Thank you very much and have a nice day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. Yeah, this was uh, Lionel Piguet from uh, Japan, a regular contributor to chasesoccer.com. So if you want to know more about them, just um, check out their, their website. No, that's great, Toby. I was surprised to hear that there was a Taiwanese player um, in the CSL. Yeah, one Taiwanese player is. Um, 
Chempoliang that also Lionel mentioned, and he is basically the star of the, the Taiwanese national team. He has like more than 50 caps already, and is also the captain. Yeah, Taiwan were the only team who had to qualify to get into this round. They had to play in the first round of qualifications against the Northern Mariana Islands, Mongolia, and our near neighbors, Macau. And they did very well, including a 8-0 win over Mongolia. Someone who I thought looked really good, actually, was um, Lin Chie Sun. Um, excuse my pronunciation. Um, he's been registered as number 28 for this tournament, so, so that's how you can look out for him. Um, he's a kind of sitting midfielder, but he scored quite a few goals, um, one of them quite spectacular. And he seems to be a real string puller for them. One of the things that I I have read about North Korean football, which is interesting, is that because of the insular nature of the country and therefore the insular nature of its football, all of the players are locally based, by the way. Because of that insular nature, you don't have all of these really terrible side effects of, of football, which have completely globalized themselves. Things like diving, a crowd and the ref, play acting, playing for fouls and so on. Things which you get in pretty much every league in the world these days. Because of that, what I'm what I'm told, I can I suppose we'll find out over the weekend, is that we don't don't have that kind of attitude in North Korean football. They don't have that kind of dicking around going on for the North Korean national team, which would be actually really nice to see. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I I didn't know about um, this this particular attitude, but I know that they have been fan favorites in quite a lot of international tournaments, in Asian Cups, in Olympic Games, um, just where random people from different countries show up to to support North Korea and I think what really um, yeah what what really represents them is that they they are known to be very very strong physically strong players and as you said I think they they have a lot of pride when they are playing um, and um, so I'm also looking forward to to see them on the pitch in Mongkok Stadium yeah well it would be good if they could attract some fans it would be good if all of them, all of the teams involved could attract some fans um, to the to the stadium. Do you think we're going to get big turnouts over the course of the tournament? Well, I think for all the games where Hong Kong is involved, I, I really expect a sellout. It, it has to be, to be honest. Um, it's a really competitive game. It, it, it's about something. So I hope that um, we will have a full stadium, at least for the, for the Hong Kong fixtures. Um, for the for the games beforehand, because we have like double double fixtures for every day, right? Uh, I hope that at least half of the people show up because it's it's a free game to watch because uh, you pay one ticket and you get to watch two games. So I hope that a lot of people make use of it and represent Hong Kong as a football loving place. So yeah, I'm I'm quite sad, you know, that I I can't be there in Hong Kong to be honest, and I miss all these games and. I, I really hope you have a great atmosphere. As do I. It's as an aside, it's a bit of a motley crew, isn't it? The the countries you've got involved here. I mean, only one of them, North Korea, is can really be termed a real country. Um, you know, all of the others are disputed or colonized in some way. And that country is North Korea, which is probably the most messed up country in the world. <laughs> Yes, they are. They are. <laughs> They're all very special, I would say. Taiwan, which is 
depending on who you speak to, uh, a sovereign nation or a renegade province of the People's Republic of China. Um, we've got Hong Kong, which is basically just a semi-autonomous city in a much bigger country. And we've got Guam, which is a, a colony of the USA, um, which is used as a, a naval base um, as well as being a, a dependent territory. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the great thing is that one of these weird weird places will have the chance to play against china japan and south korea next year so you know it's it's exciting but we must also remember that the women's tournament is happening um, north korea notably are not involved in the women's tournament um i'm not entirely sure why that is i don't know if it's because they're so good that they don't have to qualify because the north korean women's team is very good or it might have something to do with the fact that they're, they're currently serving, or they were recently serving a FIFA ban um, for doping-related transgressions. Um, it might be that as well. Um, but the, the So it's, it's the same teams apart from, instead of North Korea, you have South Korea. And all of the games will be at the Hong Kong Football Club. And they are during the daytime of Tuesday the 8th of November, Friday the 11th of November, and Monday the 14th of November. So go along and watch them. It's free entry, I believe. It's free entry, yes. So yeah, definitely go and check it out. Although the slightly weird daytime kickoffs might affect the crowd numbers there. But that's... Pretty much everything covered as regards uh, the upcoming tournament. We've still got a lot to talk about when it comes to local club football. We've had Senior Shield games. We've had Hong Kong Premier League games. We're going to talk about it after this break. Stay with us. The Hong Kong Football Podcast is out every Wednesday. You can get it from iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll turn our attention to local football. Um, the club teams did have some games over the weekend. Um, on Friday night, Kitchi played Pegasus at the Moncock Stadium, uh, winning 3-0. This was in the Senior Shield, not the Premier League. Senior Shield quarter-final. The first two goals coming from the unlikely source of Matt Lamb. Um, not your usual scorer. Um, the second one was a penalty. And then in the second half, Sandro added the third. Um, not that surprising a result. Um, that's two wins consecutively against Pegasus for Kichi. But the next day, South China, who had, lest you forget, just demoted their coach, uh, Ricardo Rambo, uh, took on... Taipo, also at the Mongkok Stadium, and this did not go well for them. They lost 1-0 with a 70th minute goal from Wong Wai, the difference. Toby, that's a big result for Taipo. Yes, absolutely. And if you remember last week, I sort of <laughs> hoped to predict this this uh, giant killing. And so it really happened. And I think, you know, this is the interesting thing about cup tournaments and especially the Senior Shield, uh, where this, the small ones can really pull off a win um, and in this case in this knockout tournament uh, Taipo made it quite well and so I think they, they deserved it 
I what I heard like the first half was quite balanced, not not so interesting football to watch. Um, but then in the second half, Typo had quite a few chances, and also it was the first game in which uh, Komatech didn't score. Is that right? That that is the the first game that he had played for South China without scoring a goal. Yeah. So that's a big surprise, definitely. And also he didn't score in the most recent game against R&F, so he is now already two games without a goal. Goal drought. <laughs> of course, now it, it sounds a bit <laughs> ridiculous to start complaining about it, but it's just unusual not to see him score. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah, and um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about last night's game in a second. Um, also, on the 29th, in Eastern had a rather better time. Um, they won 4-1 against BC Glory Sky. Lee Hong Lim with two goals, Giovanni De Silva and James McKee. Um, that's that's quite a good run of form for James McKee at the moment. He's really getting himself on the score sheet. He, he came off the bench in this game in the 87th minute. Um, so he was only on the pitch for about six minutes. Um, so not a bad return on the old goals per minute ratio. But yeah, no surprise there really. Yeah, what's interesting about this game is that Eastern, they were down 1-0 at halftime, right? And it didn't look that great for them. It, it didn't look like dominating the entire game. But then it just took Lee Hong Lim four minutes to turn the game around uh, in the second half. And later on also, um, Butch and Cloris Kai were down to 10 men um, after Raul Fabiani was sent off, I think around uh, 10 minutes before, before the end. So that, of course... Um, gave Eastern then even more space to, to score another goal. But finally, closing out the Senior Shield um, games over the weekend, Southern, who had just beaten HKFC 7-0 in the league, they played them again, and this time they scored five. Um, it was a 5-1 win for them. Again, Wellington D'Souza getting on the score sheet. Again, Walter Vaz getting on the score sheet in the 80th minute um, in slightly comical fashion, I think. Yeah, it was really a quite awkward situation. So Walter Vaz and Paul Oliver Nguyen were in front of the goal. Uh, just a goalkeeper left in front of them. And all really that Paul Nguyen had to do in this situation is to pass the ball to Walter Vaz, who was like totally free in front of the empty goal. So he chose not to do that and just to attempt the shot. Isma Hall uh, cleared the ball in this situation, but then the, the ball went off to uh, Walter Vaz, who then again had to had the choice either to to shoot or get a go the more safer route and pass the ball back to uh, Paul Nguyen or another player who had was in a better situation, but uh, he chose to to do it by himself and then eventually scored. So it at that point I think for Salvan it was just about uh, you know making goal scoring points for the strikers rather than really caring about the final result. Yeah, well, I mean, they, both of those players have come off the bench, so I, I don't know if there, there was a, a certain um, every man for himself mentality where they just they want to try and get their spot in the team for the next game. As we discussed last week, um, it, you know, it has it has been a, a slow start for them, Southern this season, um, especially on the goals front. Um, they've now scored twelve um, in their last two games, so that might be over. Do you think you know these two big wins? They, they've got a Push them in the right direction, surely, confidence-wise. Yeah, I mean, their, their next game uh, for Southern is on Saturday, Saturday the 5th, um, at 
Um, in the Battle of the Buses, um, you've got Kunchung Southern versus KMB Yunlong, both sponsored by local bus companies. Um, I wonder if either of the teams will be parking that bus. Um, I think if it was going to be one of them, it would probably be Yunlong, given the goal-scoring form that Southern are in at the moment. Um, but that's not the only game coming up this week. Um, tonight, in fact, Wednesday, the 2nd, um, Eastern take on BC Glory Sky at the Moncock Stadium. Um, that's in the league. And that's that's their game in hand, Eastern, um, against Kitchi because Kitchi aren't playing this week. So currently they're three points behind with a game in hand. Do you think this will be the game in which Eastern pull level at the top of the table? Yes, I think it will finally be the day when then they will um, catch up with Kitchi. Um, that means that both of the teams would then be at 16 points, right? Yes, and South China um, and Pegasus, I think, are trailing them by by three or four points each. Speaking of Pegasus, um, on Thursday, the 3rd of November, they will be playing Taipo. Um, oh no, big news, they will not. That game has actually been rescheduled to the 15th of November, so no game on Thursday night. Do we know why that was rescheduled? I, I expect because um, some of the players uh, are also taking part in the EFF Cup. So to make the, the preparation time a bit longer for them, they, they might have rescheduled it. Yeah, that makes sense. They, they do have some good young Hong Kongers um, in their team. Um, although they also have Chris Anan. Is he, is he in the Hong Kong team this time around? Uh, no, this time Chris Anan, Hong Kong legend, is not in there. Oh, so does that mean, I mean, I guess with the step down that he's taken, going from Kichi to Pegasus, do you think this is the, the sun has set on his time in the in the Hong Kong international zone. Yeah, I think I think so. Also now with the with new players coming in, uh, new naturalized players in the last year, I think it it already became quite tough for him to justify his place in in the representative team. Oh well, the the end of an era for for the Hong Kong international team, but he's not the youngest anymore, is he? <laughs> no, but he won't be. He won't be forgotten. Not quickly. Um, on Friday. HKFC, fresh off the back of conceding 12 in two games, will play Rangers, who will be fresh off the back of that excellent win against South China. How do we see this one going? I think Rangers, um, off the back of the, the biggest results of the season, having played really well, might be looking to pick up all three points at the Hong Kong Football Club. Yeah, I think this is what they will going for. And as we saw, like Lai Yu Chong is quite in a remarkable form right now. And even like online, quite a few people started wondering why he is not in the national team this time around. Um, but maybe, you know, with, a, with another few goals, maybe he will be there in the coming future. Yeah, I see no reason why not. And then on that Friday game, will be followed by the Battle of the Buses, which I've already mentioned. So as I say, no game for Kitchi this weekend, um, which makes it a little bit more even at the top because they, you know, for so long they had this very obvious advantage based on the fact that they played more games than everyone else. So things even out a little bit there. Speaking of Kitchi, actually, and their ongoing saga over the Kitchi Center training ground, regular listeners of the podcast will know Kitchi have a really, really high quality training center um, in in the new territories on land which was leased to them by the government until recently when the government said we're taking it back causing outcry among Hong Kong football fans Um, and the latest person actually to 
add their voice to the outcry was Chan Yun Ting, the coach of Kitty's rivals Eastern. She was at Government House last week to receive the bronze Bohemia star. Yeah, it's like a it's a kind of civilian honor. Um kind of, you know, I mean I guess every country has their equivalent. Um and she got the bronze one, which I guess is the, the kind of the most junior of those honours in recognition of the fact that she has done such a good job at Easton so far. Um really, you know, put Hong Kong football in the global football headlines for the first time in a long time by becoming the first female coach to win a league title in the men's game. But while she was um, speaking to reporters at the event at Government House, she added her voice to the clamour by saying that the government really needs to put its money where its mouth is in terms of backing Hong Kong football, that infrastructure developments like the Kitchi Centre are really important to the development of local football and that it's a real shame if the government were to take back this land. Um, her goalkeeper, Yapong Fai, at Eastern has, has said similar things. The saga rumbles on, so to speak. But good to see, you know, someone who's such a big face in Hong Kong football, again, making a stand for the Kitchi Centre. Yeah, and what's really good is um, that, you know, all the the people across clubs are united about this issue. It's not about Kitchi in the first place. It's really about football development at large that is at stake here and everyone is worried about it and I think it's it just it's a great sign how people work together across you know clubs for, for this issue yeah and long may continue okay well I think that's everything we have to discuss this week join us again next week when we'll still be talking about the East Asia Trophy qualifying because it'll still be going on I'm off to find out where the hell Guam is and maybe make some Hong Kong flags for the game. Good luck to all of the teams involved in the men's and the women's tournaments. Be sure to get down there um, for any game that you can, because I think it's going to be really good. Until then, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We like Hong Kong. That's a place for you.